Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We are currently in a series. What is that series called? I can't, I can't hear. What is that series called? Unlocked. For those of you who've been here, it's called Unlocked. Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. This has been running over the last few weeks. We've got a couple more weeks on this series. And so just to recap what we've looked at, we've looked at how the Holy Spirit can empower us to have that even if faith, rather than an as long as attitude. Hannah shared uh, on this on the first week, and she, was, she shared some real vulnerabilities that even she was walking through about how those things that we want, those things that we desire in our lives, sometimes they don't happen. And it's in those moments where we have a choice before us, and that's where that Holy Spirit can come in and empower us to be like, even if that thing I'm longing for doesn't come to pass, I will still trust God. I will still hold on to him no matter what. We've heard a message on who the Holy Spirit is right from the dawn of creation. We're shared, shared on that. It's like, if we don't know who the Holy Spirit is, how can we, how we trust in him? And so she so diligently unpacked who the Holy Spirit is. Alex shared on how the Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus and his ministry. It revolves around Christ. In him we have salvation. In him we have new life. And the Holy Spirit points us back to him. And last week, Robin shared on the spirit of Pentecost, how that spirit that came in power and revealed himself to first the Jewish believers and then the Gentile believers is still prevalent in the church today. And he challenged us, are we still wanting to see these things in the church today? Are we believing for these things? Now, for those of you that are new, we welcome you to Centre Church. For those of you who are not new, you, you know that I'm one of the speakers here, but I've not actually shared in about two and a half months, believe it or not. That was a personal choice. Um, it was a personal decision to step back in some areas. This is a great thing about having, the, I have the responsibility of putting the rotors together so I can choose when I'm on and when I'm not. <laughs> it's one of the great things, isn't it? But like, not this Sunday, not that Sunday. But it was a personal decision to step back. And I think sometimes in our lives, we have to make that choice to step back in some areas because it enables God to minister to us. It enables him room to actually speak to us. It enables us space to actually say, okay, instead of con continually going, I'm going to spend some time, God, and allow you to speak to my heart. And so that was what I wanted to do over the last couple of months. While I was still serving in other areas, was in, in this regard to kind of take a step back. Now, even though this series is only covering about five weeks, I believe there is so much more we can uncover. This could go on for months. When you look at the Holy Spirit, I think there is so many things that we can unpack and discover together. And we're only giving certain aspects, but I hope and I believe in us as Sense Church that it's awoken something within us. It's created an awakening in our hearts and in our minds, a desire to press into God more, not just on a Sunday, but every day of the week, that there's that hunger and desire to experience more of God. I hope that's what's been happening over these Sundays as we've explored this together. Now, this morning, 
I'm going to be bringing us on a bit of a journey. And I hope you're ready to go on a bit of a travel today. Um, usually when a message is given, um, there is almost like a central point, a central theme, and then it's unpacked and it's explained more to its application. Um, today, I'm almost doing this in reverse. So I'm going to be sharing some application principles from the start, but then I'm going to be bringing us back to that central point. For that reason, the title of this message will be given at the end. Just making sure you're paying attention today. Um, my hope today is that I'm going to bridge the gap between what has been shared over these last few weeks. There's been different aspects shared on the Holy Spirit. You can call them bricks, as it were, different bricks in a building. So in this regard, I'm the mortar in between the bricks, the cement that kind of holding it in place, hoping to give a bit more clarity in some areas, but hopefully help enlighten us in some of the things that we've already heard up until this point. And I hope that it's instruction, insight that will help us, and I believe it's fundamental for us as a church as we look to move forward and in experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday, yes? Now, the focus today, when we get to that point, which comes at the end, I, I've, my hope is I'm going to bring us to an aspect that I think is so fundamental to our walk with God. I think, and I'm speaking for myself, sometimes it can often be overlooked, underappreciated, yet personally I think this is one of the most powerful experiences we can have of the Holy Spirit in our lives and is key to unlocking the outworking of the Holy Spirit that we desire as a church and individuals on a daily basis. I often think that sometimes it's something we don't realize is happening. And so I'm going to be covering a lot of ground. I'm going to be bouncing over a lot of scripture. But if you have your Bibles with you today, I have for one Sunday only, prepared a PowerPoint as well. So it will come up behind me as well, the scriptures that we're looking at. But if you do have your Bible that you want to follow on long, please, I encourage you to get them out. We are going to be turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to share from verses 1 to 11, and then I'm going to jump to the end of that chapter from verses 27 through to 31. So it's up behind me, so it, it reads here. This is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says this. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul's not holding any punches here, is he? Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. 
to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now Paul then continues to kind of explain what he said. He gives this analogy about how there's the church is one body that is made up of many parts. And now we pick up the message in verse 27. He says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. I'm going to stop there. This is, the point continues through chapter 13 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. I'm not going to read it all, otherwise that will be my message and that will be it. And I won't, won't be able to unpack it. But just to give a brief overview for you, what happens is in chapter 13, Paul then outlines how pursuing love should be our aim. If we don't have love and central to what we're doing, everything we do in service unto God means nothing. Love has, is so key and so vital. And then in chapter 14, he, re, he returns to share on a couple, a couple of different um, aspects of the Holy Spirit working through prophecy and tongues and other things. How, it can, how the key focus is it builds up the entire assembly. is for one another, each of our benefit, to edify one another in faith. He then also shares about how our worship to God there's, needs to be order. It, it's not this, this kind of chaos. He gives outline on how that should look in a church environment. Now I'm going to back up and go back to the verse first of chapter 12 here. Because we can often read over scripture. And when I read corrective aspects of scripture, like Paul is giving here to the church in Corinth, when he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, that makes me go like this. I don't know whether you've had that when you've read scripture, when you read these, these corrective aspects, you're like, oh, I suddenly tensed up there. I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't feel great. I see this in children. I've been a, we've all been children, but you see it in children, right? When parents correct their children, that corrective aspect at work, because children don't hide it. They visibly show what that corrective um, correction does to them. My parents, to me, when I, I, I was a naughty boy when I was a kid. I know, unbelievable. You can't imagine it now, can you? <laughs> And there were times when my parents said, Thomas, what do you think you are doing? And what is the natural response of a kid? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. I don't know. I didn't know that was wrong. And Paul is doing this to the church of Corinth because they weren't walking in the right way. 
And the same instruction he gives them is the first point that I want to give us when we're looking at moving in the power of the Holy Spirit is be careful of ignorance. We see in Scripture, we are encouraged to eagerly desire the greater gifts. These are, were the gifts that would enable believers to make the maximum contribution to the life of the church. However, the church in Corinth were not doing this. Paul uses this strong language. I do not want you to be ignorant. In other translations, it says, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uneducated on this matter. And he was speaking about spiritual gifts. Now, the, to give you a bit of background to the church in Corinth so we can understand what was going on, they had divisions in their church. They were arguing amongst themselves who was more spiritual. Can you believe that? I am more spiritual. No, I am more spiritual. You even see this unpacked in, even in chapter 1 where they were almost boasting who they would follow. I would follow Paul. I would follow Barnabas. And Paul even addresses them early on in chapter 3 by actually addressing them as you are worldly. Now to a church that were actually desiring to be spiritual called, well, actually you are worldly. You are mere infants. I think Paul is getting their attention. And they were causing jealousy and quarreling amongst them, division over who is more spiritual and who is more spiritual. And Paul's coming in and basically saying, well, none of you are. You are mere infants. This can, and I believe it is happening in the church today, I've seen it, not necessarily here, but in other churches, you see this kind of division, this attitude on, on things of the spirit and other things of God, of like, well, I am more spiritual, I am more holy. And it's like, well, I'm quite tempted, to, as Paul said, to actually say, well, actually, I think you may be a mere infant. The problem in the Corinthian church is that they were emphasizing one gift above everything else. One part as more important, more desirable, more sought after than any other. And this was causing disorder in the assembly and the community. We read later in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, in this whole instruction Paul was given an orderly worship, um, that God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. There's a quote here from one theologian that I looked into called G.K. Barrett, and he said this, God himself is not characterized by and is therefore not the cause of disorder. If disorder appears in the Corinthian assembly, it has been caused by an agent other than God. Conversely, peace in the society is a mark of the present and work of God. See, there is a specific gift God has poured out into each one of us to edify and strengthen the church. But as we read, if you read through these chapters, it must be done in an orderly fashion. God is not a God of disorder. He's not going to bring it about by chaos. There is reason to how God moves. And if we are seeking and desiring for more of the Holy Spirit 
in and through our assembly, as I said, God would not, not bring it about in a confusing manner. He's a God of peace. Yeah? My thought and my first point here is that I don't want us to be a church that is reckless in terms of when we move in the Holy Spirit. Like I, we are a church that we will believe in and we are desiring for more of the Holy Spirit in this place. Yes? But we can't be reckless and we can't be ignorant. Right? We must be careful. We must understand that there is an enemy out there that prowls like a roaring lion and he can come in and he can deceive us. And so we must be so careful to lean on God, lean on his word. He too an instruction that is given and understand what that means for us today. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. Now, as I stated, I am moving from the point to the explanation today. And so before all of this happens, before we see an outworking of the Holy Spirit at work, before we see these things in our assembly, each one of us needs to, and this is the second point, know our part and move in it. Like I said, in, Acts, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see this analogy that is given by Paul. We are one body but we are formed of many parts. And each part is vital. Each part serves a function. Now, I actually shared on that portion of scripture a year ago in another series called Made for More. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to be diving into this because we've already got it on our YouTube and podcast. That's a little plug there into our, everything we do as a church. But if you want to catch up on messages, it's online. But just to bring out one quote that I shared in that message... I said, for this body to function at its full potential, each part must be operating at its full capacity. If we want to see the full potential of what God can do in our church, in our assembly, each one of us must know what God has poured into us by his spirit. That's part that we can use to serve one another and grow in it, serve in it diligently and faithfully. He has poured out a gifting into every one of us. Each one of us has something to offer. And there, there are some crossovers. As you see in Paul, he wasn't singular in some of the things he stated. It was plural. Some are apostles. Some are prophets. There is a crossover here. But we all have different parts and different ways that we can serve. And we need to embrace it. Recognize that thing that God has poured into us. Embrace it and grow into it. Move in it. Serve one another in that. I love in that list that uh, Paul, Paul gives at the end of chapter 12 how one of those things was administration. Whew. Who loves administration? Yes. See, there are people that not only love administration, but they are good at it. I do not like administration. <laughs> I have to do it at times. I have to do it. But I love how Paul brings that out as a gift that can serve the church. In other aspects of scripture, it's not administration, it's almost like gifts of service or support for one another. And we may think of these as lowly things. We're like desiring these big manifestations of the spirit. You know what you have is so vital to the body. It's so important and the church couldn't function without it. 
Sometimes we can be so led to comparison. Oh, I wish I could move in that way without realizing that God has poured something into you. That is so vital and so important. We can, as the Corinthian church did, we can sometimes fall foul to overly focusing on one aspect, to maybe one gift of the Spirit. And almost as the Corinthian church were doing, they're saying, you should all move in this gift. And Paul was combating them, saying, well, no, that's not how God has poured it out. We can fall foul to desiring that which is not given to us as the Holy Spirit determines. And so, as Wish stated a few weeks ago, that which is for the benefit of the rest of the body remains idle or dormant within us. Because instead of embracing and growing in the capacity given by God, we seek to be something or move in something we're not supposed to. We must be mindful of this. Paul was given this instruction for the benefit of the church. There are so many gifts of the Spirit that he's poured out into his church, into his body, and we all have a part to play. And it is so important, so vital to the church. I haven't stated the gift that the Corinthian church valued more than any other and was irresponsible in regarding as higher above everything else. I haven't shared it. I'm not going to. If you read in the, in the book of Corinthians, you will uncover what that thing was. The point is, they were neglecting the value and importance of the other gifts available and given by the Holy Spirit. And my encouragement to each one of us this morning is not to make the same mistake and understand that the Holy Spirit pours in each of us these different kinds of gifts, empowers us in different ways as he determines that's for the benefit of the entire assembly. What we have is for the benefit of each other. What I have to offer, I serve in it, and it's different to Graham, it's different to Ruth, it's different to Franzi, it's different to Ben, it's different. We have different things that we can offer, but together, it makes the church the grand reflection of God. Are you understanding this, church? Yeah? I want to say that you are valuable. If you don't think you're valuable, you do not think you have something of value, I want to kick that out of the window and say, you are valuable. You may not think you have something great to offer, I say different. I say God has poured something into your life. Something has poured something in you. Maybe it is still sitting there idle at the moment. And maybe you need to realize what that is, take hold of it and grow into it. But it's so important. It's so valuable. And as a church, we can be edified by it. Each one of us can be edified by that thing that you have. Again, as I said, I'm moving back to the point. These are some applications of this, but we're coming back to the focus um, this morning. So all of this, all of what I shared, it means absolutely nothing unless we do one thing. And this is the third point this morning. It's to strive for and walk in holiness.
Everything I've shared on up to this point is what I believe we are wanting to move in as a body of believers. Am I correct in saying that? We want to move in these things of the Holy Spirit. We want to see this outworking in our day-to-day and in our church assembly together. However, what happens is we can neglect a very important aspect of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So we're going to do a little bit of bouncing over Scripture, but this is almost to fire the point home this morning. Um, if, you, if we go to even Genesis chapter 1, Verse 2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Wish touched on this in her message. that We see that the Holy Spirit was involved in the creation of all things. As the hovering Spirit even the breath of life. And as that narrative continues through the Old Testament, we see how the Holy Spirit is the sustainer even after the fall of man. He is always there and he still is today. Actively involved in the lives of men and women who cooperate with him and allow him to conform them to the image of Christ. Now, I'm talking about a process here, and it's a big word. You're gonna, some of you may know this word. Some of you, this may be new. It's a word called sanctification. Say that together. Sanctification. sanctification. Oh, man. Sanctification. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> sanctification. At the beginning of creation, we see that we are made in the image of God. Man was made in the image of God in likeness, and commanded to subdue the earth. Now, we read in John 4, 24, that God is spirit. And so when we look at the image of God, it's not so much our physical state, but also essentially our spiritual nature. I think sometimes I I speak to myself when I'm thinking, I am made in the image of God, and it's like, I look at my my physical attributes sometimes. It's like, am I I'm the image of God? Am I really the image of God? But it's also our spiritual nature. It's a reflection of Christ. If we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, again, it'll come up behind me as well. Verse 22. Again, it's Paul speaking here. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We cannot live without the Spirit of God. We cannot live. And again, continuing our move at different passages. We're going to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 to 16. It says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So there's that word again. But just as he who called you to be holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. See, simply the meaning of sanctification is this process of of being made holy. It is holy living 
that the Spirit makes possible. I, when studying in Scripture years ago and learning more about the Word of God, you uncover these passages and it says, be holy as I am holy. I know I looked at that thinking, that is impossible. God is holy and he's asking me to be holy. How am I going to manage to do that? And I think we can almost be afraid of these words because they're so out of reach, they're unattainable. But simply speaking is actually, in fact, to turning away, as Paul said, turning away from those, the sin, the evil desires of the heart, and yielding to God, drawing near to him. Sanctification is ridding ourselves of those wrong attitudes, desires, acts, and even relationships, and entering into a relationship that is pleasing to God and according to his word and his will. And you know what, church? The Holy Spirit helps us with this. It's, I find it fascinating that in Paul's letter to the believers in Corinth, in his opening address, he, he calls them those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet amazingly, they were not moving in holiness. They were moving in discord. They were moving, as Paul said, in ignorance. And so the problem I feel as a church that we can sometimes fall into, I speak to myself as an individual, is that we can fall into the habit of overly focusing on the outworking of the Holy Spirit, wanting to see the physical manifestations of the Spirit in our everyday. And this is not a bad thing to desire. I just want to put that straight there. We are desiring for that as a church. We want to see the outworking of the Holy Spirit, but it shouldn't just be the only focus here. If it's the only focus, we are neglecting the Holy Spirit, Spirit's incredible power of transforming us. And this is the title of the message, From the Inside Out. Unlocked from the inside out. That's one of the greatest powers I think the Holy Spirit does, is transforming us. What happens within us as the Holy Spirit comes upon us is that he shapes us. He molds us into the image of God. And over time, we will begin to display this fruit which others will be able to see and recognize. You see that in Galatians 5, verses 22 onwards. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. You see how this all ties in? Yes? You see how, how, what Paul was revealing to the church in Corinth? He was saying, you're focusing on one aspect, but there's so much more. You're elevating just one gift of the Spirit, but there is so much more, and without it, the church will fail to function as a proper reflection of Christ. And so my point to you today, church, 
So if, I, if you're going to take anything, it's this. If you cannot see an outworking of the Holy Spirit in your life, it does not mean he is not moving. It may mean that what he has imparted in you may not be mature yet. It may not be right for picking, to use that fruit analogy. However, what you may not see in yourself may in fact be what others in this world, in our church and in our surrounding community, do in fact see. And it may, could be the very thing that draws them closer to Christ. We may not see it in ourselves what God is doing. We may not, we are like, we are desiring these big manifestations of the Holy Spirit. But God transforming us from the inside out, it was almost like a seed that takes time to germinate. We cannot see what happens under the soil, but something is happening. And then after time, it shows its head, doesn't it? And we cannot see it. If we were looking at that seething every minute of every day, we'll not see any change, will we? But over time, it shows itself. And our surrounding community, those we interact on a daily basis, we may be walking thinking, I'm not all that great. I don't have anything of value. But to somebody in this community, they could be looking at you saying, I want what you have. What is it about you that's different? And it could be the very things that draws them to Christ. And that's our desire, isn't it? For people in our surrounding community, those that do not know the love of God, to come and realize that love that he has for them. The forgiveness that he offers and to draw near to him. To me, this is one of the greatest powers of the Holy Spirit, of which we can and are in fact experiencing daily, and it starts from the inside out. It takes time, but it's happening. Let us not be a church that focuses on one aspect of the Spirit as more important over others, but see to grow together in all aspects as a body, with many parts, as the Holy Spirit determines. You all have something of value imparted into you. Maybe you need to tap into that. Maybe you need to ask, oh God, what is it that you've imparted into me? Maybe I'm focusing on the wrong thing here. What is it that you have determined in my life? What is it that you've put in? Help me realize that and help me grow in that. Maybe you're here this morning saying, I can't move in that way. And I just want to remind you, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not moving. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not working within you. Maybe we just need to change our perspective. It starts from the inside out. And so whatever you're walking through with regards to this, maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't have much to offer. I hope this has changed your view on that. You do have something to offer. And it's valuable. Because you are valuable. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I've been so focused on that thing that maybe I'm neglecting what God is doing in me and through me. Whatever it is this morning, my prayer for us as a church is that we don't be a church that says this one thing is more important than the others, but we see the value of every single part. And we embrace it as a church, and we grow together as a church as the Holy Spirit guides and leads us as a congregation, yes? Not just on a Sunday, but every single day. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, 
you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk